Well, sisters and brothers in Christ, I know that you are familiar with that second reading, the New Testament lesson from Acts chapter 2. You aren't so familiar with the Old Testament lesson. So let me try to connect each of them together, and particularly let me concentrate eventually on that prayer that Moses has for all of God's people to be filled with the Spirit. That's a great Pentecost prayer. Now let me start with good old Napoleon Bonaparte. He was at the height of his power as a military and a political leader, and he called together his commanding officers, and their purpose was to review all the conquests that they had made. And so Napoleon stood before a huge map of the world, and uh, there were spots marked on the map of all the countries that they had overcome. However, there was one spot on the map that caused him to pause and issue this warning. There lies a sleeping giant. And the officers all looked at that spot where Napoleon was pointing, and what they saw was the huge country of China. And the year was 1811. Well, as we know, we all know now, China isn't sleeping anymore. China is making amazing strides. Economically, some suggest that their economy will so soon be bigger than our own. And there's another area also of something that's happening in China. There are now reportedly 50 million Christians in China, and the number of Christians in China is growing in spite of government opposition. Now, of course, China is so enormous that in terms of a percentage, the population of Christians is still very small. But did you catch in the New Testament reading all those nations that were listed? Luke even says all the nations in the world were in Jerusalem that first Pentecost. And those upon whom the Holy Spirit fell took the Lord from Jerusalem back to the nations in which they had come from. And we need to realize that the Christian faith is truly global. Throughout my entire lifetime, we have understood that the United States is a Christian country, and it has been, and it still can be. And we've been richly blessed by the Lord because of our faithfulness to Christianity. But let's see now. What will God do if China eventually has more Christians than the United States does? Particularly while their church may be growing and most of ours are declining. Now I'm being facetious. I don't believe God loves Americans more than he loves Chinese or Australians or Ethiopians or Iranians for that matter. But it
testing, one, two, three. <laughs> I won't do it. I talk loud enough. Some of you caught at least some of this, right? All right, let's get back to the largest Lutheran church in the world. It's the Makana Yezu Lutheran Church of Ethiopia, Africa, right? 12 million members. The second fastest growing Lutheran church is in Madagascar, Africa and Asia. And it appears the sleeping portion of the giant is right here in America, where few Christian churches in the Western world, at least denominations, are growing. And right here in Ohio, there are more congregations closing than there are new ones opening. I remember seeing a cartoon several years back. A pastor is complaining to the friend. He says, uh, my church just can't get interested in outreach. And the friend says, well, uh, most congregations are like that, pastor. And the pastor says, yeah, but how many churches do you know that have an unlisted number? All right, what we need to deal with this trend is another Pentecost. Imagine if there would be an event in the 21st century that mimicked what happened in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. You know, again, the story of that first Pentecost, the disciples all together in one place, and suddenly the sound like a mighty rushing wind and the, the fire that landed on the top of their heads and the different languages that they spoke, all of them filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And at the sound of what was happening in the house, there came people from all over Jerusalem wondering what was going on. People from every, uh, many countries that were there to celebrate the Jewish festival of the Pentecost. And evidently, some of the strangers who had heard their gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection in their own language said, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears in our own native language? Amazed, some of them made fun, saying, well, they're just drunk. And then Peter stood up and raised his voice and gave one of the great sermons that it's recorded in the New Testament. He said, fellow Jews, let me explain. Listen carefully. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, a fulfillment in the days the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Folks, Pentecost is an important day in the life of the church. Someone has compared the impact of that first Pentecost long ago similar to the stars that shine in the heavens at night. And here's what the guy meant. Astronomers tell us that light travels at the speed of 186,000 miles per second. All right, that's too hard for me to even fathom. So here's, here's another way to think about it. The starlight that shines in your window tonight, or if you go out and walk under the stars of this beautiful Ohio evening and see the stars, right? The star that produced that light started its journey about the time that Shakespeare was writing all of his plays and the light has been traveling ever since then to reach us tonight. In the same way, the work of the Holy Spirit on those disciples in the first century influences us yet today. 
Centuries ago, these men and women were commissioned to make disciples of all nations. And although they've been dead for 2,000 years, the effect of their work has traveled throughout history, and it touches us this morning. It is felt in our lives and in our churches today. Such was the impact of Pentecost. Representing, yes, as Pastor Josh said, the birth of the Christian church. We can say, yes, without Christmas there would be no church. Without Easter there would be no church. Without Pentecost there would be no church. The church received its power on Pentecost through word and sacrament. Could it happen again? Could the church of Jesus Christ yet become what Christ intended it to be? Oh, you betcha. And it all begins with prayer. If the disciples had not been praying since the Lord ascended into heaven, maybe Pentecost would not even have occurred. And after Pentecost, Acts 2, the rest of the chapter says that the, the, uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, right? Prayer was at the heart of the church's life. We need to pray for the church. We need to pray for the power of the Holy Spirit through word and sacrament to continue to strengthen us in our faith. The church is not simply some civic organization. It's not just another social agency doing good things. The church prayed and the followers turned the world upside down. We will awaken that sleeping giant when we re realize our original purpose. We not only pray, but we think about our purpose. What is that purpose? Well, someone once said that the church is, is there to hatch, match, and dispatch, you know, or baptize, marry, and bury. Uh, that's partially true, but that's not the real purpose. The early church, first of all, looked up to God in prayer, but then they looked out to the world with purpose. The purpose of making disciples, of fishing for human souls, to be modern-day prophets, declaring the word of the Lord. And that then brings us to Moses and those 70 elders, prophets, if you will. Moses couldn't do it all. And so the Lord said, pick 70 elders to help you. God told him to select 70 elders, and they presented themselves at the tent of meeting, you know, the tabernacle. And in the morning, the presence of the Lord became evident by the cloud which settled over the tabernacle. So God's presence was there. And then, as he promised, the Spirit was put down on the elders. How? Well, the text says, God took the Spirit that was on Moses and put it on the 70. Remember Christmas Eve when we take that one candle and then we light up everybody else's candle and you pass it down the aisle while we sing Silent Night? Yeah, and the original candle, by the way, doesn't lose a bit of its power as it gets passed throughout the assembly. Well, okay, God took the spirit that was on Moses, put it on the 70, right? And for some unknown reason, two of those 70, Eldad and Medad, were not in the tent. They were missing. And somebody went out and found them preaching the word of God out in the camp, out among the people. And some, including Joshua, felt that the two should be stopped. And Moses said, are you kidding? I wish the whole people would receive the Spirit. 
And that's my prayer. It should be all of our prayer on this Pentecost 2023. As we join Jesus on his mission, as we learn to become more and more everyday missionaries for the Lord, as we learn the importance of gathering and growing and giving and going, Pentecost will continue to live among us. And who knows the impact that will happen on generations to follow? God does. And so in the word of Moses, we just make that our prayer this Pentecost. I wish the whole people would receive the spirit of the living God. In his name, amen. Will you pray with me? Oh, gracious God, Heavenly Father, way too often we want the Holy Spirit on a dimmer switch where we can just kind of keep him comfortable in our life. But we pray this morning that you would put him on full power in each of our hearts through word and sacrament, through the prayers of God's faithful people, through the coming together and gathering and growing together and giving of ourselves in faithful Christian service and going as the New Testament tells us to. O Holy Spirit, come and fill us, O Lord. Create in us a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within us. Cast not your presence from us, but restore in us the joy of our salvation.